and welcome in to this week's episode of the Purple Fufu Podcast. My name is Theorist at Vikings Theorist. I'm joined by my co-hosts, PFF Vibes or Slimeball, uh, Base Federal or Boof, and PFF Rager Season or Bryce. How are we doing tonight, fellas? Doing well. I think I aged about 20 years after that game on Sunday, but we got the dub, so that's all that matters, right? <laughs> Real. I was at that game, and the entire time it just felt like my life is just being drained from me until the final seven or so minutes. And then it's like, I love this team. I love life. I'm ready to run through a wall for these guys, you know? They really need to like pick a direction that they're going to go with these emotions. I saw you tweeted, I can't even remember what tweet it was in response to, but you tweeted something at me. I think I said it was it's way too quiet in U.S. Bank Stadium right now. And you tweeted at me, I have meetings tomorrow. I'm not wasting my voice on this garbage or something like that. I had a group of people here at my house watching the game and everybody was a Viking fan. And they were all like mid-second quarter and they were freaking out. like Because it did, I mean, it looked the same as it did under Zimmer a lot of the time when it was really bad last year and in 2020. For some reason, I just, this is going to sound like you might not believe me, but I never felt in danger of losing that game at all. I kept telling the guys I was with, I was like, just wait for fourth quarter, Kurt. Just wait for fourth quarter, Kurt. <laughs> I know. It's been a full season. It's been a full off season too since you've seen fourth quarter Kirk, but just wait, he's coming. And lo and behold, he proved me right. And I frankly didn't actually expect that to happen, but it feels good to be on the right end of that for once. I just want to say like Slideball is like the Nostradamus of the Vikings right now. He called the Eagles game. He called that fourth quarter comeback with Kirk dropping that fourth quarter bomb. What's next? What else should we be looking out for? Dude, <laughs> frankly, I don't even know who's on, the, who's on the schedule next week. The Saints uh, we in London. We have the Saints. Oh, the Saints in London? Oh, I got, I already have a bit for that. That's going to be a shit show. A shit show for us or for the Saints? Oh, well, it's going to be a shit show for both. The Vikings are going to give up more points than you think they're going to give up. Let's save yeah. that for the Saints preview, but it's going to be a crazy one. Yeah, no, I'm uh, not going to lie. I tweeted a lot during that game because I was honestly, unlike you, Slime, I was kind of worried because I was like, you know, these Lions aren't the same old Lions. I don't care what anybody says. Dan Campbell is turning that Lions organization around. And Jared Goff, he played pretty well on Sunday. And so, like, I was worried there. And Dan Campbell, I'm so thankful he didn't go for it on fourth down because that's what helped us win. And the minute I knew he didn't go for the fourth down, I was like, I have faith that we are going to win this now if they miss that field goal. Sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Shout out to Austin Cyber for changing yeah. that. I don't know. That was a really interesting call to make at that point in the game. You know, our defense had been unable to stop anything that the Lions were doing on offense on fourth down for essentially the entirety of the game. And then you look at, you know, the kicker missed a field goal earlier in the game and you're putting him out there again, you know, with the game on the line, essentially, you know, not like on the line, on the line, but, you know, you're at a spot where it's a really crucial make. And you're really putting him on the spot there with that when you know that against a defense that plays a lot of that soft coverage, you could probably pick up that first down as you have been the entire game. I mean, what were they, four for five? That's ridiculous. And they were terrible. four of six, actually. I kept tracking that because I was like, I feel like if the Lions can do this on us, teams are going to realize they can uh, convert on fourth down against us, which I really hate that they were four of six. That's a terrible number for our defense. Kick their ass what? on third down conversions, which that's something to work. <laughs> 
work with, you know? I think one thing, at least, that I look at as a positive is that part of the reason that the Lions lost that game is because Dan Campbell went for it too many times. There was a moment in the game, I can't remember which fourth down it was, but they missed a fourth down and they had to settle for a field goal. I think it made the game 24 to 14, maybe. And then it ended up biting them. I think it was like a fourth and three from the 35 or 40, something like that. Um, and again, they were three for four on fourth down at the time. I just don't know if Dan Campbell has that situational awareness. And I think that other coaches are going to go for it less often or in, you know, more crucial situations. And so it's going to be interesting to see how we adjust to that. Because like, if you just figure he's going to go for it every time, eventually you can start to pick it like we did. Because again, after that field goal, he felt like, oh shit, I should have gone for that one. And then he went for it too many times and we stuffed him on that one. Dan Campbell's going to be, it's still a learning curve apparently for him in year two. We'll we'll see how it, it fares with other teams. I, I don't know if they'll be as aggressive. Yeah, him and Brandon Staley are the two most aggressive on fourth down in the league, right? Yeah, I think that's right. And if it's not right this year, it for sure was last year. Brandon Staley, at least the last couple of Chargers games that I've watched, it looks like he wants to tone it down. Um, he's learned yeah. a lesson that Dan Campbell hasn't yet. But I know for sure last year, Brandon Staley went for it way too often. Yeah, in the immediate future, I'm not super, super worried about Dennis Allen running us up on fourth down. That's true. I uh, definitely think that Dan Campbell, like I said, is taking that Lions or to a good spot. But he definitely has some second-year coaching mishaps already. I mean, I'm thankful Dan Campbell didn't go for that or didn't kick the field goal because, you know, we got that dub, so that's all that matters. No matter how ugly that win is, we're still what? I think we're top of the NFC North, right? Yeah, we still have the leadoff tiebreakers. Sweet. And we're 2-0 in the division, which is huge. I mean, it's still, you know, it's within the conference, so this game's important, but what are the odds that it comes down to that in terms of seeding at the end of the year? I think that if we can win this game and really get some momentum behind us, we're entering, what, an easier stretch of the schedule, I think, where it's like bears after this game and then we have some of our easier games on the schedule are coming up but then you know i'm not really worried about any of the home games that we have later in the year that are super you know the cowboys game you know what i'm talking about like that's the the, the cowboys and the bills game are the only games that i'm really worried about the rest of the year besides packers obviously i'm worried about and, the dolphins too yeah, we the have dolphins. them in miami and they're on fire they just beat buffalo mike mcdaniel what a hire man i think the miami game is the only one i'm really worried about because that feels like one of those games you can win but they're fucking really tough dude cam dancers gonna get cooked off a game and we're just gonna have to find a way <laughs> around that especially with like a 700 year old Patrick Peterson it's gonna be tough yeah, but I look ahead to like the Bills game and I'm like okay well we kind of expect to lose that game I kind of think that's gonna be a better game than you know other folks might think it's that Miami game that it freaks me out yeah, yeah I think uh, we need to put a Caleb in for Pat P on that game you know I don't care if he's a rookie he's younger he's faster let's get some speed and uh, let's play some man coverage for once at Donatel. None of this fucking shell two bullshit that we've been running, whatever it is that has been absolutely cooking us. Yeah, the super interesting thing about the defense is from a yards given up perspective and all that, we're terrible. But then just from a general points allowed thing, we've only given up like 18.6 a game, which ultimately that's really huge for us somebody tweeted it out i think we were giving up like six plus points a game more last year through this mark in the season and you know i think it helps to have daniel back like at full strength not coming off of whatever that weird neck injury thing that he had was it's just huge from a points per game perspective to have a good d line i'm gonna i'm gonna stand on the table for ed donatel to be honest with you because i mean i i look back at the last couple of seasons and we haven't given up a point in the fourth quarter this year which is huge That's very so, true you know you give you up 24 points a game and you're giving your team a chance to win with the weapons right. that we have we should be able to score 24 points a game and like I, i'm a big proponent of that bend don't break defense because it's very flow based that eventually once they start to get a feel for those reads and kind of tr- start to trust their instincts a little bit more it's just to click towards the second half of the game and i'd prefer to have that than this like full-blown defense that makes all these 
plays in the first half and then gets cooked in the second and allows Kirk Cousins to come back on them like the Lions did. Right. No, no, I get that. I think I'm just still scarred from the Zimmer era. Just seeing us like give up all those huge plays. I'm just like, all right, well, this is where the game goes downhill. And slowly but surely, I think even with this Ben don't break defense, like you said, I think slowly but surely I'm going I'm going to learn that this defense is not the same defense as it once was. I mean, even in the Eagles game, maybe they the Eagles did gate change their game plan but I, yeah I think you do make a good point slime I maybe should seize off the end on until hate but I think I, it's just me being scarred from Zimmer just like letting them run down the field pass down the field whatever and just score on us but yeah no I think that's a good point that you do make that our second half defense was, is like astounding so maybe Ed until is making game plan adjustments during halftime it just isn't looking to us on the field because we're still giving up these big plays but yeah as long as they're not scoring we can still keep have Kirk keep us in the game I think yeah you're right it's a recipe for success I, I'm sorry for all the hate slime got me uh, on on the board there so Ed Donatel please don't let me down yeah, Bryce I uh, I empathize with you a lot check my timeline <laughs> I am the biggest Ed Donatel hater that you're gonna find on Vikings Twitter I think like after the first drive I tweeted all right I've seen enough fire Donatel but I've I've honestly started to come around I used to think that all of these shell coverages and prevent defense that was just him and his fault but after seeing a full game and after after seeing three games, we just do not have the talent to run man coverage. Patrick Peterson was solid. He was he was actually very good against the Lions, but he is not fast. He's not what he used to be. Uh, Cameron Dantzler is not a speedy cornerback. He never was. And Chandon Sullivan is terrible. Love to a Vikings player. That guy is bad. And like he's working <laughs> with what he's got. Yeah, I got to step in on that one because I heard some Chandon Sullivan hate. And you know what? Frankly, I saw a video of him get blown the fuck over and then not even try to get back up and recover. And it does make me question that dog in him and so it is tough for me to stand on the table for him right now but i did say that ride or die at the beginning of the year i would be chanted sir chanted sullivan's guy Theorist, I love you to death, but we, we just cannot have Chen and Sullivan hate around here. Let's stick to Cam Dantzler, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, res- I, I respect it, but we got to light a fire under his ass. That's you. That's your that's guy. True. Get on that's his game. Point. I'm all about fucking Cam Dantzler hate. Like, I was like, okay, you're three, Cam. Like, now is your time to shine. He's been dog shit the past three weeks, and I don't know what's going on with him. Like, he, I thought he had a solid rookie year, so I just, like, don't know what's going on. Like, did Zimmer really, like, dog into him that much that he's just like, I'm not that good of a cornerback or what's going on? But, like, I think it was a, a run play, and Cam had a busted tackle. And so I know it was one big run play that Cam missed a huge tackle, and they got huge yardage out of it and that's when i lost it with cam that's when i told him to get off the field cam was in zimmer's doghouse for forever for whatever reason i don't know what caused it It, maybe he's just bad maybe he got into a fight with zimmer maybe zimmer's just being a hater but um you got to remember that we had bashad breland out there for however many weeks before he got cut and he sucked he was ass he was so bad you would see him getting toasted every game and Zimmer wouldn't even think about it. And so that's kind of where it started for me as I was like, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe he's just bad. Maybe he, you know, he can't make these tackles all the time, even though he's like, he can be a solid tackler. He's really weird with that where he'll just miss a tackle, but also there'll be other plays where he'll come in and hit somebody behind the line of scrimmage and totally wrap him up. And I don't understand it. He's super inconsistent and that might just be it. I've never played football, so I can't comment, but I've heard that if you want to be a good tackler, you'll be a good tackler. And you're right. He is either the best tackling defensive back on the 
the team or the worst. And I'm wondering if there's like a mental inconsistency with his play. I've seen like in person, his body language is questionable a lot of the time, especially when things are going rough. I wonder if there's something to be said there as well. You're absolutely right. First of all, as far as the tackling goes, like especially a lot of corners are hesitant to tackle because they are smaller. And so I sort of see that. But Cam's a weird one because he's too aggressive when he's tackling. And that's kind of what makes him miss a lot of these open field tackles is because he's just a little bit over aggressive. But on the other end, he's not aggressive enough in coverage. He plays very far off the ball a lot of the time further than, you know, maybe they're even coaching it. And he's hesitant to trust his instincts and make those reads and make a play on the ball. And I think a lot of that is because he's been penalized before or <laughs> it's a tough mental bridge to cross I think for him but on the other end like every team has that CB2 that's going to get targeted a shitload every game and teams still really aren't targeting Patrick Peterson that much he, he really only has like one or two oopsies <laughs> a game and usually they're pretty bad ones that cost us touchdowns for the most part look at what's that kid's name number 24 for the Lions last week yeah I was just going to bring that up when you brought up penalties or whatever that was just covering Thielen and the only way he could stop him is like grabbing him. And honestly, the one call that should have been called the entire game pissed me off because it wasn't called. And it's just like, I hate using that excuse, but like, luckily we still won the game, but they, the one time that they didn't need to swallow their whistle, they did. Yeah. I don't even mind no calls usually, but it's tough after all that time, you know, after right. calling it all game. I would have been mad all week. It wasn't even like they were playing physical. They were just straight up throwing our guys around. Like you see with JJ and what's his name? Uh, Jeff Okuda. And he literally just grabbed him and threw him on the ground. And, you know, they were, they were doing that to JJ all game. And so, like, you know what? Sometimes I wonder if, you know, everybody's like, oh, he looks disinterested in his routes. Oh, it's this. Maybe he's, you know, not content with what's happening or the targets or whatever. I think he's just getting hit. Like, they're just straight up going after him, triple covering him, getting super overly physical. And it's not getting called a lot of the time. Like, sometimes the reps will throw a flag for it like super blatant like the one play i don't know you gotta wonder how much that factors in because it's not like jj is suddenly bad that's not a thing that would, I, I can't think of anything that would cause that and clearly he's not like super angry either or we would have seen something you can see him talking to the guys in the sidelines you know doing that little flip thing that he does yeah victory formation that little flip up thing we, he he's uh winning the super bowls we're winning super bowls every week according yes. to yes so. why yeah why are people so <laughs> mad i don't understand why people are so mad I'm going to backtrack to what Boop just said about Jeff Okuda, like throwing JJ to the ground. I saw like Alliance Twitter fan celebrate that that's how they locked JJ up. And I was like, that's not locking JJ up, bro. That's like just straight up throwing him to the ground so he doesn't have a chance to burn your guys. It was uh, Kirk for MVP. He was like, oh, typical Lions celebrating losses. Got tired of seeing like Okuda, like just throwing JJ to the ground. Something that was first brought to my attention on Luke Braun's podcast today actually was how the Lions game plan almost like revolved around just committing a penalty every single play, like holding our wide receivers every single play, and then just gambling that they're not going to get called so much that it makes it not worth it. And I mean, it's debatable if that was the case, but watching it back, they got held pretty much every play, Jefferson and Thielen and Thielen ended up going off and he ended up getting a lot of penalties too. But I think that's something teams are going to have to grapple with. Uh, do they have enough trust in their defensive backs to not commit holding every play? The Lions don't have that trust in their defensive backs just yet. I bet the Saints do. So I, I think we're going to see a more open game for especially Jefferson as well as Thielen. Well, hey, the, the Lions eat kneecaps for breakfast. So I don't know what you guys are <laughs> expecting, but they're gritty. They eat grits and oats for breakfast. Frankly, I love that strategy. That shows me that you got, that you got some bite. 
you get some bark, go ahead and just fucking throw guys to the ground. And, and you know, if you don't get caught, then awesome. It fucking worked. And shit, we only, it took us two and a half quarters to figure out that we had Adam Thielen on the team. I forgot that he existed until this weekend, which was really cool to have him back. And I think actually if we had gone to him earlier in the game, we probably would have had a little bit more success than we would do. That we did. I feel like we uh we start every single game trying to force the ball to JJ a ton, which isn't ideal because then you know if he's getting triple covered, I mean like it works either way. Where if you throw it to everybody at first, then they're gonna have to like you know not use all their resources to defend JJ, and then it opens it up for him, which I think is how we should do it because he's like the best wide receiver that we have. But also like if we throw it all to JJ, then we have Adam Thielen and KJ open. I'm a huge KJ fan. I'm a huge Adam Thielen fan. I still love my boy Rager, but we got to get some love to our new tight end one, Johnny Munt. Herb is like, he's super athletic, but when you can't catch the ball, granted, he did have that one clutch catch to convert that first down where he dove for the ball. But like Johnny Munt, I feel like is just more reliable with his hands. He's like a Tyler Conklin type aspect to me right now. And like, he can still run for a big white boy. After the first two weeks, who the Vikings WB2 is, I would have emphatically said Johnny Munt for sure. But sneaking up right on his ass for that white boy two spot is Mr. Red Allison. And frankly, I don't even care how good Red Allison or Johnny Munt are because we have the awesome, most awesome white boy names in the league and it's not even close. We have a Wait, red- do you mean Ben Ellison? I hate to steal your thunder, but Red Ellison is retired, I think. Oh, yeah. Ben Ellison. We have an elf and a, ju- and a monk. And now we have Jacob Hollister on our practice squad. So Jacob we have Hollister? WB3. He was like Gorgie Jang for me. I have a deep hatred for Gorgie Jang. I don't know if I've ever explained that one to you guys, but it runs deep. I want to point out the fact that we also have a solid tight end three in Mr. CJ Ham, who busted several ankles oh, on his first down oh run. That was so like we honestly he's a fullback but yeah he could play tight end he could play wide receiver four i would trust that man like to catch a very like a crucial catch and just run with it because like that man can truck that man has juice he put that man on ice on sunday cj ham is who falcons fans think kyle pitts is i'm just gonna say it do you remember the ravens <laughs> game where he like mossed or i don't know if he mossed yeah. but like he went up and made some crazy yes. play. It was they had one of the fade on the outside, bro, against the one shoulder <laughs> sideline fade to the fullback. You, know you know who can't do that? Irv Smith. I thought Irv was like mostly all right, though. He dropped that one pass really bad early in the game, but then he made that cool ass diving catch on the sideline. Until he proves me why he's an integral part of this uh, offense that we have, I'm going to be an Irv Smith Jr. hater until he proves me wrong. You know, catching is it's a mentality thing, a lot of it. And I know I'm kind of a hypocrite here, but he has to drown out the noise. He just has to focus on himself. He's got to focus on making that next catch because he is far and away the best athlete at the tight end position. I mean, mm-hmm. they rotate him out to play wide receiver half of the time how many tight ends can do that he's just got to get back to his strength well what's the over under on games before Irv smith's season ending injury though it's against the saints it's happening you he's said that like you're about to make it happen. He's gonna he's gonna try and catch a pass in the end zone, and he's gonna fall into the goalpost, and he's gonna like break his like wrist or something, and that's gonna be it for the season. If that actually happens, everybody's gonna be coming after Boof, not the Purple Foo Foo podcast, Boof specifically, because none of us have wished that upon her except Boof. I'm, I, well, I'm not wishing that. it on him. I'm just telling you what's about to happen. It's actually going to be a great callback for my uh, my best and worst of Vikings Twitter this week. Thanks for setting that up. No problem, no problem. Hold on, wait a minute. Wait, oh, is, it, is it me? Am I the worst? No, 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 no. But one of you is on my best and worst list. Uh-oh. 
All right. Before we get to that, uh, let's wrap the uh, Lions game. Any final thoughts, guys? Like I said, I don't care how ugly it is. If we just scrape by the end of our teeth, every win matters. So no matter how ugly or how good a win looks, I'll take it. Also, Big Dick Kirk finally came out that I've been looking for like all year. Kirktober's coming, baby. Let's see it. You know what? I think the Lions are really trending upwards, actually. I'm really I'm really happy to see it kind of, you know, it's almost like a little brother that's like been struggling in life for like 10 years and you're just watching him grow up and finally mature. My final thoughts on the Lions game. I kind of thought it was kind of sick. I really don't have anything. Like we're still in week three. And so I'm still like willing to give a a whole bunch of leeway. And I think they're going to get more accustomed to not forcing the ball to Jefferson early in the game. As the year goes on, I was mostly encouraged with what I saw. Still thinking that like by the by, if we're two or three losses into the year, then we're in good shape. I still think Detroit kind of fucking sucks, to be honest with you. Dan Campbell seems like a really great guy, but I I just, I like, I don't buy the rah-rah hoorah shit really and i'm glad that we have a good mixture of that and the analytical back end really really quick question for you slimeball will there be a diss track against either the detroit lions are we far enough removed where it doesn't make sense for the lions or is there going to be one for the saints post saints game we got a lot of options here because this a saints one would be super easy and super fun yeah. i think everybody hates the saints i think that vikings fans probably hate the saints more than they hate the lions generally speaking. absolutely yeah but on the other end we're gonna whoop the lions ass again so we could also do a Lions diss track later in the year after we whoop them again yeah um and hopefully josh medalist comes up with this pick six to get my score prediction right next time but yeah we're definitely doing a diss track for the saints because it's a long time coming uh one quick final thought for me on the detroit lions game um i know a lot of people are worried about the defense and as Ed Donatello's number one hater on Twitter um, I just want to say that I think they're going to be okay they've allowed 24 points to the Eagles and to the Lions uh, the Eagles are turning out to be the best offense in the NFC and Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate that is a good team 24 points is not that bad against that team especially with the offense not doing anything and the detroit lions i'm higher on them than you are slime they're pretty good i'm on ross st brown is a dude he's corny as hell but he is a dude deandre swift beast as well jamal williams like can hold his own and that offensive line is stellar all jared goff has to do is not fuck it up and he didn't he actually played pretty well so 24 points there as well i'm not broken like my heart's not broken over that i think the defense is going to be okay I think they have a good shot against the Saints and against the Bears, they're just going to destroy Justin Fields. Also, I feel like a big reason why we came away with that dub is because Amon Rock, St. Brown got hurt. Like that took away their biggest weapon. Me personally, I think if he didn't get hurt, it would have been a closer game than it already was. But I digress. I'm a huge Amon Ross St. Brown supporter. He's fantastic. He was on track for a huge day. Like I said, start Amon Ross St. Brown. Controversial opinion here. I think Devontae Smith is going to be like the next Adam Thielen in terms of yardage and touchdown totals. I think he's a higher ceiling than that. But with the trade for, you know, AJ Brown, I think that they really kind of put a cap on how much he can produce unless they really suddenly switch to him, you know, being the wide receiver one of the featured wide receiver in the offense but you know in an offense that features a pretty dynamic running game and a mobile quarterback i don't really see him getting to surpass aj brown in that standpoint at least i think he had a fantastic game this week i don't have that much confidence in him to be a 1300 yards 1400 yards type of guy 
I think he's a better athlete than Adam Thielen by a good bit. No shade against sneaky athleticism Thielen. But did you see those catches he made? I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I could see him becoming the number one guy in that offense. AJ Brown is a beast, but I don't know that he's like a true 1A. I think he's a good like 1B. I think Devontae Smith can be at 1A. I'm on that Quez Watkins train. We're riding that Timbuktu and back. Oh, yeah. Let's get into shithead of the week, everybody's favorite segment. So, Slime, you sounded like you had some that you wanted to go over. Let's hear yours first. Uh, my shithead of the week is Sheila Fordham because she is the epitome of Detroit. She's the owner of the Detroit Lions, the pride and joy of that city. Uh, she is the descendant of Henry Ford, the creator of the T-model magnum opus of that city. And this week, her beloved Detroit Lions were sent back to that shit Detroit uh, in devastating fashion with a loss to their division rival. So Sheila Fordham, we can't have shit in Detroit. Thank you for your service. I appreciate it. You're my shithead of the week. Wikipedia says Sheila Fordham's middle name is Firestone. All right. Well, now I kind of feel bad because that's pretty cool. Still, I have to stick by it. I understand. Doesn't have a division win since 93. Come on, Sheila. We got to figure that out because as of now, division (laughs) trophies are like water in the state of Michigan, evidently. Uh, And we can't have shit there. So, Sheila Fordham, despite your sick-ass middle name, you're still my shithead of the week. I'm going to start this one off. Lewis Seen is going to be okay, guys. I'm going to preface this right now that Lewis Seen will be okay. But my shithead of the week, I'm thinking of one specifically. I don't know if he listens to this. I'm really good friends with him on Twitter. I don't know if he listens to us. I'm not going to drop names, but if you know, you know. All the people who are saying Lewis Seen are a bust are my shithead of the week. Josh Metellus, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I don't know. I heard Slimeball pronounce it differently, so I pronounce him Metellus. I digress. Anyway, Josh Metellus is a veteran on this defense, and obviously it's only week three. Lewis Seed, probably everybody knew he wasn't going to be a day one starter. He's still getting acclimated to the scheme. Yeah, Donatel said, oh, Metellus and Seen were going to split snaps in replacement of Harrison Smith, but I think Donatel saw how how good Metellus was playing that Lewis Seen didn't need to play because we had a good safety in Metellus. I think he was on the field most of the snaps for the defense. So my shithead of the week goes to all the people who are saying Lewis Seen is a bust. He's not a bust. He's going to be fine. We could have drafted Kyle Hamilton, sure, but I'm not impressed with Kyle Hamilton. Uh, Lewis Seen is going to be fine, but my shithead of the week goes to all those Lewis Seen bust people. Can I piggyback off that for a second? I'd like to append everyone who says that he was the wrong pick and that we should have drafted one of the wide receivers. What? What? Why? What are you? What are you thinking? We wanted to draft Jamison Williams or like Jahan Dotson. Are they like changing the offense like as wide receiver four? Shit, Jamison Williams isn't even playing yet. Like he's really going to be a more impactful pick at this stage no come on and like we had albert wilson on the roster for the for a while he would have been a perfectly fine wide receiver three wide receiver four option like you you don't have to go out and spend luxury picks you need a village of defensive backs to be successful in that room you don't necessarily need that village at wide receiver because the the wide receiver four is just less impactful than like a nickel safety i feel like people are forgetting too bc johnson was lighting it up before he got his his acl torn again he is a baller he would have been a good wide receiver four as well like they did not need to make that pick 
Yeah, and I think Wesley, like I said, he's a great analytical mind. Wesley, like, probably outweighed the or the pros with the cons trading back. I mean, we got Andrew Booth. Sure, like he's missed his last three games, but when he's healthy, he's going to be a good cornerback for us. He's going to be a great slot defender for us, which is what we need because, like, when was the last time we had a good slot defender? Honestly, like Mac I Alexander's first tenure, maybe. Yep, yeah. twenty seventeen yeah. Mac. So. I personally, like I said, yeah, I'm with you, Theorist, that we didn't need to draft at 12. We could have got Hamilton, sure, but I think Wesley still made the right pick, and I think Lewis Seen's going to be okay. They're right. in their rookie year. Three Just games. give him some time. Right. That's sake. what I'm saying. Did Harrison Smith start right away his rookie season? I know Neil didn't, I know, and he's like a cornerstone tackle. Right. So, yeah, it's – like Darisaw did. No, Darisaw started for a while. like towards – towards the end of the season last season but like i get why everybody's like he was their first round pick he was also pick 32 like let's not forget that pick 32 is usually a developmental like player unless it's like a like a superstar player that falls that far i knew he wasn't going to be a starter right away anyway because we still have harrison smith we have cam bynum we have a good safety room so lewisteen is eventually going to be that star safety for us but not right now theorists who's your shithead of the week Keep it short and sweet. It's me. I am the shithead of the week. If you go back to week two of our podcast and listen in, I said, start Justin Jefferson in every DFS lineup that you run. And I did. I took my own advice to heart. On FanDuel, he cost $9,500. He was far and away my most expensive player. Justin Jefferson got me 2.9 points. He single-handedly sunk my team. And that's okay. Justin Jefferson did what he needed to do to win the game. He opened that field up for Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne, especially to the end. He opened up the run game for Dalvin Cook, but goddamn, he didn't open up shit on my fantasy team. I'm out of money because of that. Justin, I'm sorry. I can't blame you. I got to blame me. Theorist is my shithead of the week. That's hilarious. Also, I want to piggyback off of that. We are still looking for the PFF name for Theorist. We tweeted about it. We said it. this will be the third time now. This podcast is Purple Foo-Foo. If you haven't caught on, it's a playoff of PFF. And so we kind of need one for Booth, too. But everybody knows who Base Federal is, so maybe like maybe he not a be, brand. He could be yeah. PFF Base Federal. PFF Base Federal work. That's up to him, though. So, guys, I know Theris has been asking for it. Drop something in there. We'll we'll give it a play. But, like, he's, he's wanting that PFF name to fit the vibe. So. Oof. Who's your shit out of the week, brother? My shithead of the week would be none other than second overall draft pick, Aiden Hutchinson. He had two pressures, one hit and one hurry on 34 pass rushing snaps. But he was also, you know, that that's not a huge impact. First of all, I'd like to make that clear that I don't think that that's some tremendous accomplishment for his draft status. He was getting blocked by tight ends and running backs. He was doing nothing. I, I was seeing clips of Christian Derisaw pushing him out of the way, going and blocking another guy, and then coming back and blocking him again. And it was just no problem for Derisaw. Derisaw, it was it's either Derisaw is the best left tackle we've ever had, or you know Hutchinson isn't that good. And you know I'm ultimately a little disappointed in his performance. You know last week he had three sacks. However, all of those were like unblocked. Like he he was not. They were he wasn't working for them. It wasn't something like an earned sack. They were all either just offensive miscues or just some luck of whatever he made it through you know i'm glad it was not a good game for him against us but at the same time he he does not he's not performing up to the draft status that he has had i think it's got to be a bit disappointing for lions fans at this point in the season my banger tweet of the week is that aiden hutchinson is a dj wanham clone Wait, were, were you the one that tweeted that yeah we are going to start a dialogue 
Okay, because I, I think uh, Matthias, or I saw somebody else tweet, it was good to see the Lions, like, draft DJ Wanham number two in the <laughs> second spot. But I'm going to I'm gonna credit you as the original one for that. I saw, I saw that. <laughs> Check the timestamps. I had Matthias beat. That Darisad clip that you mentioned, it literally looked like he was taking a playoff. Like, it looked like he wasn't even trying. Like, he, he just, like, stood up out of his stance and just, like, kind of gave it a little push and a little shove, and, like, it was all good. Aiden Hutchinson right. sucks. I wouldn't go so much he sucks. I just think, like, yeah, I don't think he was worth all that hype. He played in a shitty Big Ten conference. Yeah, he's a Big Ten merchant. Quote me on that. I don't really care. So, Slime, who's your best of the week? My best of the week? It's actually going to go to somebody that's a member of Saints Twitter. So, it's only tangentially a Vikings Twitter. Uh, yeah, I know. It's gross, right? And it's actually Saints Enjoyer, too. So, I think we all really, you know. But I, I thought the tweet was funny. He said, if the UK thought that the Queen dying was bad, wait till they have to watch three hours of Kirk Cousins versus Jameis Winston. And I thought that was awesome. Not because I'm a Kirk hater, but because pretty much no matter what, you're going to get some entertainment out of watching Kirk Cousins play. He's either going to be the best quarterback you ever seen in your life. He's going to be the worst quarterback you've ever seen in your life. Or he's going to be one or the other for either half. Either the game is going to be like a fucking shit show and it's going to be classic like Jameis throwing 100,000 interceptions and like eating a W or you're sulking over an owl. I don't know what they do after they lose. But regardless, I think the Saints are going to score more than people think they will. And I think that Kirk, I don't know if it's going to be the first half or the second half, but he's going to play well in one of the two and probably look like some Pop Warner junior college looking ass quarterback in the other half. Yeah, they're going to be shocked by what they see over there in the UK this week. Yeah, she saw that game coming up on the schedule and just said, I, I can't do this. I got to go. I got to go. It's going to be a heart attack or it's I'm going to die on my own terms. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do my worst, don't I? What's my worst? Oh, my, my Vikings Twitter worst of the week is going to go to somebody that I love dearly and somebody that's in this Zoom meeting room. My Vikings Twitter worst of the week is going to go to my man PFF underscore Rager season. Uh, it's going to go to you this week, Mr. Rager season, baby, because my good friend Bryce is coming all the way out from Iowa, uh, next month on Halloween weekend for the Arizona Cardinals game. And we were, we were talking about arrangements and how, how things would look when he comes up here. And I said, Hey, you can stay with me, man. Absolutely. No problem whatsoever. And Bryce said, sweet. That sounds great. I don't even mind staying on the couch. And I said, well, guess what? We might have some other people staying here this weekend. So if you need to, you can share a bed with me with a purple heart afterwards. And I was joking, but Bryce's response will haunt me to my core. Bryce oh, said, no, ah, thank you, man. I might just bring an air mattress, though. Laughing emoji. Oh, and so... Frankly, didn't come out like that. Frankly, you kind of got friend zone there, slime. I totally got curved, dude. I got curb stopped. So hard, dude. I feel so bad. That's not how I was meaning it to come out. Like I was just like, oh, I would love to share a bed with you, slime. But it's just like, sure, sure, honey. Oh, it's it's not you. It's me. I really like you as a friend. I could there wasn't a lot of battle Vikings Twitter this week uh, yeah. Bryce you didn't have a lot of competition or uh, PFF yeah. underscore Mr. Rager season you have a lot of competition yeah like slime like slime ball said um I am going to be coming up for that Cardinals game October 30th 
I'll be coming up on that Saturday, leaving Monday. I want to get super slutty um, with my Vikings Twitter friends on that Sunday night after the game because yes. we're either going to have yes. a really great game or we're just going to get wild because our hearts are going to get ripped out of us. Yep. It's also right. Halloween weekend that weekend. So I want to throw, if we could, like a Vikings Twitter raid sure. party. I know it's a Sunday night, but you know what? I only come up once a year for a game, so let's get slutty, boys. I've got a, I've got a couple questions for you, Bryce. Um, oh no! Question, question number one: Do we have different meanings for getting slutty? Is there? So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who originally. Are you gonna show up? You're gonna show up to the game in lingerie and like all. Oh, I hope so. You know, must be hard to bring green mommy. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween is the game to do it, Bryce. No, I don't know who. I I, I could go back and read the messages for that, for that group chat, but somebody said I want to get slutty after that game. I don't yeah. remember who said it, but I think that's a great saying. So, like, now I'm going to start referring as getting shit faced as slutty. I have to start saying it too. Okay. <laughs> also, if what's your second question? If you're trying to get slutty, why aren't you going to hang out with you know PFF vibes in his bed? Like, and say, I didn't say I wasn't going to hang out with him. I'm I saying never, though, if I'm in my I, bed, we, we swerved with that up. man. Like, so oh no, I got it. You know what? I guess PFF underscore regular season is just a certified hater this year, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You're saying you want to get slutty. You've got a guy offering to bring you into his home as you're traveling. He's flying you out. And you said, nah, I'll sleep on an air mattress. There's That's a 30 rack of Milwaukee's best waiting for you on the fridge. I thought it was going to be a really great weekend. He was going to wine and dine me. I fucked up. Come to find out, he's just going to be sleeping on my air mattress instead. Uh, <laughs> I'm just using slime ball for his house that weekend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's nah, what this whole we... podcast has been about. Just use finding <laughs> places to stay across the country. <laughs> It's gonna be gonna be fun, but uh, slime ball, get me drunk enough, and I'll sleep in your bed with. Let's let's have a quick couples therapy session. BFF bragger season. Is it a commitment thing for you that you don't want to sleep in his bed because it's gonna make you feel further into it than you really wish to be? It's a good question. You know, I I don't think I could I could do that on the first day. Um, when I when I sleep with somebody on the first day, everything just goes downhill. So it's truly not slime ball. It really is me. It's just like a morality issue. Past trauma has caused this yeah. to be an issue for you. Yeah. Slime ball. How does this make you feel knowing that I, you're doing all these things? I think it's bullshit. Yeah. Frankly, I won't accept it. Oh, yeah. I'm um, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We wouldn't have to sleep together. We would just be sleeping together. How can we how can we reach a happy medium for the both of you? What is a middle ground that we can find where both people are getting what they want and also compromising? He's gonna have to buy me a PlayStation. That is an <laughs> offer. Oh, <laughs> You want to sleep in my house? Well, buy me a PlayStation, right? Now. Oh, so he never specified. I do have a PS2 that I can bring up for you. So, oh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking G, right. need a bottle. I'm going to switch topics here. Ferris, who's your oh, best yeah. of the week? My best of the week. This is pretty pretty easy, pretty uh, low-hanging fruit for me. Uh, but it's Matthias, again, for one specific tweet. Came in on September 25th, and it says, QB play really stinky this year across the league. And I couldn't put it better myself. There is no good quarterbacks in in this league. Like yeah. I thought Josh Allen was pretty good. He laid a shitter. He scored 19 points against the Dolphins. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna interject that Jalen Hurts like looks like the only good quarterback right now. 
I'm saying Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. I, those are my, like the only two quarterbacks that I think look good. I can't remember who tweeted it. I'll see if I can find it and retweet it after we, we air this. But I read somewhere that defenses are playing a lot safer defenses now. Like they're playing a lot more cover two shell and quarters to take away some. And so running numbers are a little bit better than they no, normally might be. And that might maybe explains why Jalen Hurts is having a little bit better season because he's more of a dual threat than a lot of quarterback. Lamar Jackson's having a great season. And so I wonder if that plays into a little bit too is that defenses are just throwing a billion guys in coverage and hoping the pass rush gets there within the millennium i'm going to use uh use that however as my opportunity to say that all the quarterbacks aside from those three are ass mahomes is ass Kirk cousins is ass <laughs> justin herbert is ass joe burrow ass tom brady ass aaron Rodgers ass justin fields complete <laughs> He's, oh, like, we the knew 30, that one. Oh, he's like the 34th out of 32 ranked quarterback. Sam Darnold's better than him, and he's on the IR. Give me Brian Hoyer. Well, you might actually see him this week. I know. I'm excited. Ooh, yeah. I'm picking up on fantasy in my 30-team league. And uh, my worst of the week is also pretty low-hanging fruit. Uh, it goes out to uh, one of my favorites on Vikings Twitter. He is on this Zoom call as well. Oh, no. Slimeball. Oh, no. I took personal offense to your tweet saying u.s bank stadium sounds really quiet right now there's one other person as well tanishka said the same thing oh, you no. people were you not watching the game were you not watching the lions shit stomp the vikings into oblivion our guys were taking naps on the field our defense was allowing like josh reynolds to become calvin johnson and you want me to cheer and you want me to <laughs> yell like I told you, I had meetings the next day. I had to explain to my boss that, yeah, I watched the Vikings get absolutely torn to shreds, and I still sacrificed my voice. I was there. <laughs> you were there? Yeah. Uh, oh, come that... on. You knew. So here's my thing. No, no, I was not there. Sorry. I was <laughs> I was playing you. So here's my thing was that when you responded to the tweet, I, I was like, oh, yeah, like I actually know people that are at the game right now. And it did change my perspective a little bit because as I'm watching, like I'm watching the game at home. I'm like, ah, whatever. Like, we got like three and a half quarters left. Like, we're good. And then you responded to the tweet, and I was like, all right, that's fair. Like, I can imagine being at the game and just being like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like, I paid money to see this bullshit, throw my hat on the field. I apologize. That one was my bad. I definitely considered deleting, but, you know, I stick to my guns. My sincerest forgiveness. Uh, this is all jokes for Thank sure. You. But the reason why I took offense to your tweet in particular was because I saw a number of tweets saying the exact same thing. And the first <laughs> ones I was like, yeah, whatever, like, whatever. And then I saw some more and it's like, okay. And then I saw Tanishka's tweet and I was like, God damn it, I have to say something. And then I saw your tweet, and it's like, be your own podcast host. <laughs> That's really your closest ones, huh? That's so funny. <laughs> All right. What do we got? What do we got? Boof, you did your best and worst, right? No, um, you didn't. No, I've not yet. My best is going to go to Slimeball here for having yes! the optimism and the confidence in the Vikings. Yin and Yang, baby. Shout out to you for that because I was not confident if you were to look through my tweets, which I contemplated deleting, but ultimately I will not. I'll accept my criticism like a man because i'm almost one then the worst oh who's the worst gonna be let's go with up for discussion he's kind of being a weirdo I all that, but like he was impersonating some Mike guy and I don't understand what that's about like the pendulum I've talked about this the pendulum of behavior that he exhibits it just swings back and forth between like he'll say something cool and I'll be like yeah man that's great that's awesome love that and then he'll say the n-word and we'll be like wow I can't believe you did that making like 
you know, like a funny fake news, ha ha, whatever, you know, like what Rasta was doing with Luke earlier, you know, where he was, he was tweeting funny, so funny and impersonating, like that's funny. But then when you say actual things like designed to bring harm to a person or to bring down their reputations in other people's eyes, I just, I don't understand that really. And I, I don't understand what drives a person to do such a thing. Yeah. Last but not least, we got Bryce for right. FF Rager season. What are your best and the worst of the week? Okay, so I don't really have a worst of the week. So I'm going to do two best of the week. Because this was like I said, I already kind of did my worst of the week with the Lewis Dean, like haters, whatever. My best of the week, my top one goes to my boy. I mentioned him earlier. His at is Viking Wolf. 2x otherwise known as kirk for mvp slash jay jettas for opoy he had one of the most elite tweets in the quotes i have ever seen and i'm dropping it on here i love uh, making a quote bot because that's where i have it now lil fupa ain't never hurt nobody i'm tired of these skinny bitches thinking they run the world no ass no titties you say cool i'll keep my bashad breland to myself like <laughs> one of the best quotes I have ever seen on Twitter. So much, and entirely unhinged. Oh, I love him so much, man. He's probably one of my favorite. Besides all you guys, every time he gets suspended, fans. I'm so sad. Yes. it's like every couple <laughs> months. <laughs> so my second best of the week is actually a group on the Vikings. I'm gonna give some love to our offensive line because our offensive line has been playing lights out the last three weeks. We have a star tackles and Christian Darisaw and uh, Brian O'Neill. Ed Ingram is looking pretty solid. Now if we can just get him like to finish the game or start the game like he finishes, even better. Ezra Cleveland, great year three. And my boy, Eric Bradbury is playing on a contract year. Yes. And he knows it. He knows it's a contract year. He's been playing lights out. So, Slimeball, I think you hating on him this year. You may have heard the first episode and it was like, screw this Slimeball fella. I'm going to be playing lights out. And he is absolutely playing lights out. I got to chime in on the Garrett Bradbury thing because the way that he's been playing this year reminded me of a, uh, a graph that Nick Olson tweeted. I think it was Nick Olson when Bradbury was in the second year and he was still struggling. And I, Last year, completely forgot about it because he was so bad that I couldn't be bothered to remember. I can't remember who the other center on the list is, but I know Jason Kelsey is one of them, and he's roughly the same size as Bradbury. Mm -hmm. And in his first, I think it was his first three seasons, maybe it was his first two, and then we saw some improvement, which I guess we saw a little bit of with Bradbury last year. But by his fourth year, Kelsey was one of the worst centers in the league for the first two years of his career. And then by his third year, he had seen some improvement, and by the fourth year, he was one of the best centers in the NFL. And that was the trajectory for a number of centers. I, I think there was even a, a graph that had plotted the data league-wide. And so I'll see if I can find that and retweet it. But I'm super, I'm super pumped that we're seeing that improvement out of Bradbury because he's not only proven me wrong, but proven proven the data right so far. And I think maybe, I mean, maybe, just maybe we re-sign him. Like if he plays well like this the rest of the season, there's a possibility we could re-sign him. And I think we should be prepared for that. I don't know how good the center class is this year. I don't know what the free agency looks like for centers. And so if Garrett Bradbury knows it's contract contract here he's so far knock on wood playing lights out i think with that is it time for our pff grades I believe it is i will start 
So again, I don't pay for PFF. I tried to look it up. I'm also going to shout out one other person for this. Um, I'm going to preface this with a tweet by Mr. Andrew Whitworth. My PFF grade of the week, it goes to Johnny Munt. He was ranked towards the bottom of all tight ends, but for this quote alone by one of the greatest tackles to ever play football, automatically means PFF grade should go to number one. Andrew Whitworth tweeted, Munt's nuts, let's go. You got Andrew Whitworth talking about you. You deserve a PFF grade number one. Johnny Mutt, best t- tight end in the league right now. Wait, boy, two, yes, sir. All right, uh, slime ball. Who's your PFF grade of the week? My PFF grade of the week is going to go to Patrick Mahomes at the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a bit that I do every week. Obviously, I pick Patrick Mahomes for my PFF grade of the week, but it's especially a bit, and it's such a bit to the point where I can't, it's hard to even joke about it because Patrick Mahomes this week received his highest PFF grade of the year at 77.7. The Chiefs scored, I think, 17 points. I think he was like 20 of 35 with a pick and a touchdown and a 78 point something passer rating. So like, I don't even know how to joke about it because it's just fucking absolutely like absurdist comedy that this, this dude just like put up his best score, best PFF grade of the year. And, you know, we're talking about weeks in which he threw for 450 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions and completed 75% of his passes. And still the game that he lost to the Colts 20 to 17 with a 78 passer rating is somehow the best football that he's played all year. Uh, Patrick Mahomes will do 77.7 PFF grade. You are my PFF grade of the week. Oof, who you got? Mine would be Christian Derrissaw. I believe he had an 89.4 PFF grade. You know, he really shut down Aiden Hutchinson coming off the edge. He played really well. It was technically sound. You know, you, a lot of what was talked about in the offseason is, especially with the comparisons to Trent Williams, which is a huge comparison to make, as he's the best left tackle in the game, in my opinion, as of right now. And he's, you know, been the best for however long. I'm, I'm really liking the growth that I'm seeing from him as a player and everything that I'm seeing happen. It kind of gives me hope for that draft class that we picked him in because, you know, know looking back we've we've got what Bynum, Wangwu, and Derisaw and who else do we have anybody else left from that class or are they all gone I don't think it was a bad class overall but you know he's he's kind of carrying it and depending on his development it could keep it from being kind of a failed draft class and you know I'm just I'm really happy to see us have a good left tackle I was not like in the days of trotting out like Oli Odo or God knows who I don't know Todd Hill <laughs> yeah no but that, so I'm, yeah I'm, I'm glad that we've got two really really good tackles right now we've got really solid guard play and you know Bradbury's playing well too which is great so yeah that's my pff grade of the week serious pff grade of the week yeah my pff grade of the week this week goes to josh metellus he scored a very good 82.7 and i think he absolutely earned that you was playing very, very well for being a backup to Harrison Smith. And they really didn't ask Metellus to do less than what Harrison Smith does during the week. Uh, going back to Luke Braun's uh, Locked on Vikings, he commented that they they really asked him to just pick up a lot of different tasks and be all over the field. And he hand, handled it really well. Uh, that first play, that dropped interception, was a spectacular play. And it's a bummer that he couldn't come up with the interception. But the next play where he did get the pop fly interception, I think he, he really deserved that. It really put a, a nice cap on his great day. So Josh Metellus, Dr. J, 82.7, great, great game against the Detroit Lions. I'm going to piggyback off of that. What a great way in the game because I saw he did like the pregame speech. It's just like full circle, like his first career start. 
he does a pregame speech, and then he gets a game ceiling interception. Full circle. Are we ready to uh, preview Saints week here? Let's do it. (laughs) Everybody knows how we feel about the Saints. Uh, Booth, do you want to start off the uh, Saints preview? Yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to this game. I'm really excited, actually, to see what the defense does. I think that this is going to be a really, really great I'm, – I'm hoping it'll be a great game for the defense. You know, we're playing a lot of these softer coverages, which, you know, has been weird in the past where, like I talked about, we were giving up a lot of yards per game, but our points per game overall has been really good, especially in comparison to the last couple of years. But, um, you know, going up against Jameis Winston, who I don't like at all. I think I think he's not that – I don't think he's that funny. I Like, he gets laughed at at versus you know laughing with that's the difference maker where it's not funny to me but um 30 30 season 30 picks 30 touchdowns i think we're gonna i my bold prediction is that we're gonna have three picks this game and three sacks i don't know maybe throw a fumble in there too three picks three sacks and a fumble that's my bold prediction so i'm just really looking to see how the defense plays and i'm less worried about the offense this game there's not really a ton of concern that I have there. So, you know, I'm I'm thinking that this will actually be the high scoring game for the offense, weirdly enough, as, as much as I've predicted that. And as much as there's been like, oh, yeah, this week will be a high scoring game. You know, we're going to put up a ton of points. The uh, Lions are going to put up a ton of points. Eagles are going to put up a ton of points. I really think that this is going to be the one where we're going to get to see kind of what the offense can do. You know, we're going to be this is, you know, week four. So it's we're four weeks in, we're going to see a lot of the bumps kind of getting smoothed out. A lot of these things that are happening on offense, it just looks like people are still catching up, you know, to the new playbook, still learning it. You know, Kirk's turning the wrong way and a lot of these play action passes, you know, receivers running routes weird, not getting the rub correctly on the crossing routes or whatever, not setting picks properly. But I think uh, we're going to really work through that. And I think this is going to be a great opportunity to show everybody what kind of team we are. Bryce, you look like you got some stuff to say. What are you thinking? All right, so just taking a look at ESPN right now, I already fucking hate ESPN. Um, I normally don't like going into, like, looking into the game, like, this early, but I was just curious. Right now, the matchup predictor has us losing uh, or has us winning 47.1% and the Saints winning 52.3%. Here's my thing. I think we win. I honestly think Jameis Winston, like Booth said, isn't that great of a quarterback. I think like there was this one play and I tweeted about it saying if we lose to this dog shit team, I'm going to commit a felony because Jameis Winston got bailed out by his receiver. He threw it into like triple coverage and his receiver caught it by with one hand. And if he tries to do that against us and he's triple covered, I like our defense better than the Panthers that they played. I know they've been burnt with my bold predictions so every week this year, but my bold prediction is that we actually see JJ like have a redemption game he may not have 100 plus yards or he'll probably have between 80 and 100 yards but JJ goes off for like two touchdowns and a rushing touchdown that's my bold prediction I think we're going to open the playbook and I think Rager is going to step up big too and I'm not just saying that because you know I'm a Rager fanboy I honestly think we've been seeing him get more involved in the offense the last couple of games um so I really think Rager is going to uh have a good game and Johnny Mutt he's gonna have a touchdown this week that's my bold prediction as well Rager's gonna have a good game uh JJ's gonna bust out of his little slump he's been having with three touchdowns uh including a rushing touchdown and uh Johnny Mutt has a receiving touchdown and we uh I think we're gonna handle the Saints pretty pretty handily this week. 
I love it. I think we'll beat the Saints this week, too. I had an Eagles loss and I had a Lions win. We're 2-0 two, two and oh on the year. I think I'm the only one that's undefeated so far uh, on the Perfect Fuku podcast. I, I do think we'll beat the Saints this year. My bold prediction is that we got a Greg Joseph comeback game. We're going to win, I think, 33-28 to 28 is my final. Greg Joseph's going to kick three field goals, or four field goals, excuse me, uh, on top of uh, a couple of Kirk Cousins touchdowns. I don't think that Saints defense is really that good. And we're playing in, in London. We're playing in the UK, the land of football, not football. So he's going to get that leg going. He's going to figure out those kicks. Uh, we're going to put him through the uprights. I will say, though, I will counteract PFF Rager season in the sense that uh, Jameis Winston, his tweaky ass, got bailed out by his receivers. And he did. He absolutely did. But the plays that are goofy as shit like that, that are balls that are thrown into triple coverage and they're one-handed by some dog shit receiver you've never heard of from the practice squad. Those are exactly the kind of plays that happen to the Vikings. Um, so I expect plenty of those plays to happen this week over Cam Dantzler and Josh Metellus. And so I do expect the Saints to put up a couple of touchdowns this week, but I think the Vikings prevail ultimately. He is in the land of football. He's in the land of kicking. I think White Hart Lane is going to see some spectacular field goal strikes from Greg Joseph. This is where we get. This uh, is where we get Joe Tober. I'm gonna. I'm gonna backtrack off of what you said that we are playing in London. I think uh, I don't remember if it was like a Vikings PR person that I follow on Twitter. Um, but we're three and zero in our last London games. I think we're gonna be four and zero after this week. Agree. London is purple. Yes, sir. Germany. Germany is green and gold, unfortunately, which is sad. Did you know that Germany has a shitload of Packer fans? Isn't that stupid? I just got some work to do. They're dead to me. Yeah, let's go. Come on. <laughs> Come on, PR guru. Come on. Stop, stop the Kirk hating agenda and get the Packers hating agenda going on. Get it going. <laughs> do it for the greater good. Sacrifice. All right. I will preface my Saints game preview by saying that I'm not looking forward to it because I hate waking up early on the weekends. And this game starts at 8.30 in the morning. I'm going to do it, oh but I'll, I'll be tilted the whole time. As for the <laughs> game itself, the over-under is 44 and a half. I think that's way too low. Um, I think both of these offenses are ready to explode. And I think both of these defenses are kind of ass, especially in pass defense. I'm really not impressed by uh, the Saints' first three games. Like, they lost to the Panthers. They lost to the Bucks, and the Bucks are kind of ass, like... Brady's like a million years old. They almost lost to the Falcons and they're like the worst team in the league. Uh, I think Kirk Cousins has a rebound first three quarters. Um, I think he holds it together in the fourth. I think Kevin O'Connell has a rebound game himself. I think the offense is a lot more consistent. Um, I'm looking for Justin Jefferson to have a big game. Like you said, Bryce, the previous two games for the Vikings, Justin Jefferson has seen the coverages built around him and that's really locked him up. But now that we've seen that that's not going to work, that Thielen and Osborne are still alive. I think that's going to force the Saints to respect them, which will put Justin Jefferson one-on-one -on -one with Marshawn Lattimore or PJ Williams or whoever. Doesn't matter. None of them have been overly impressive this year. I think that's going to really help Jefferson. I'm not going to say start him on your teams. I'm not doing that ever again. But I will say, if you have Chris Olave, I would start him. He lit it up last week, and I think he's going to do it again. He's going to be facing probably not Patrick Peterson, uh, which means he'll be on Cam Dantzler, and he is fast. He's going to toast even if it is Patrick Peterson, he's going to toast them. I still think the Vikings win. I think they pull it out. I think it's going to be 31 to 25. 31, 25. Are we getting a safety? I think we're getting a safety. 
Yes. I think Zadarius Smith, after not having any success sacking the quarterback against the Detroit Lions, I think he puts Jameis Winston in the dirt. I'm going to piggyback off of that. Yeah, the reason why Zadarius and Daniel didn't get any fucking sacks is because they were being held the entire game and no calls. I'm not going to go off of that. I never gave my final score prediction. I think may, maybe I'll be wrong about this. I've been wrong. I'm 0-2 so far. I think the Vikings win 44-38. to 38. Damn. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I feel like Big Dick Kirk is like, eh, you know, I'm tired. I'm tired of people thinking I'm just this dad that drives an Astro van everywhere. I'm, I'm Big Dick Kirk. It's time to put the league on notice. 44 38, final score. Vikings win. That's almost doubling the Vegas over under point total. You're right. We'll show these uh, nerds. Uh, yeah, Vegas nerds are just about as bad as PFF nerds. Are we going Vikings money line this week, Bryce? Hammer down Vikings money line, baby. Hammer down the money line for all. Hammer it. You know what? I'm going to do a three-leg parlay here. Chris Olave. I don't know if Dalvin Cook is going to play the entire game. So uh, put Alexander Madison as a anytime touchdown scorer. Chris Olave, anytime touchdown scorer. And my boy, Johnny Mutt, anytime touchdown scorer. And CJ Ham over five yards receiving. Always. Smash the Always. over. With that, that wraps up uh, episode three of Purple Foo Foo. Again, we do appreciate all your support. We love all the listens. We love all the feedback you have. Glad to hear that there's at least one sentence that sticks out every week, whether it's if it's from Slimeball, Theorist, Foo, or myself. Um, we love we love you guys. Thanks for the follows. Um, hopefully next week we'll be talking about a Vikings dub that we get in London. And uh, we're going to make the queen croak in her grave, even, even though she's already croaked. She's going to go down six feet under more. So she'll be 12 feet under. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Purple Fufu, love you guys. And uh, tell, tell your friends about us. Spread the Fufu around. Get that Fufu going. Love you guys. Thanks so much. <laughs> Have a great week. Let's go Vikings.